Hello, 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 and happy Monday to you, you, and you. Hope you're having yourself a great day. It's about that time to learn how to get that pay. Oh, what's up, Casey? I see you. I see you. So um, tonight we got a good video, a good stream for you. We're going to be bringing on one of the heavy hitters in the real estate industry. Uh, but before we get started, I want to give everybody a shout out. Put your name in and where you're coming in from. We'll give you a shout out before we get started with the show. Plus a couple of quick announcements uh, coming up here. We just booked this coming up for March the 2nd. We'll be on with Byron Holman. Going to be talking about the paperwork makes the paperwork that's on March 2nd, seven o'clock central time right here on the same stream we're watching right now. We're going to check that out. And then also coming up next week, which is Monday, February 10th, father and son killing the real estate game, Terrell and Alex Spruill. They're doing multiple deals, father and son dream team getting checks i had to blur it out or they blurred out their checks that they didn't want to see how much money they made but nevertheless we're going to have them on coming up next monday night and so uh like i said for tonight we'll be on with rick jarman real estate old school talking about how you can last long as a real estate investor he's been in the game quite a while and we'll get his story as well uh we're going to check that out coming up here live tonight so let me see here. Take that off. Let's see who we got up in here before we get it going. What up? What up? What up? United with Trump. I see you over here on Periscope, New York, representing. All right, Terrence. I see you in Omaha, Nebraska, worldwide. All right. All right. Uh, who we got here? Mara in Orlando. I guess that's Orlando, Florida. Thank you for joining in. And if this video gives you any type of uh, good content, anything that you learn or anything, give it a like, give it a share. Give it a thumbs up if you care. But it's about that time, everybody. we got to get it popping. And we have. And we have. And we have. Mr. I stay woke. Woke, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? This is the student master teacher, Mr. I Stay Woke, Chris Monroe, and I'm right back at you with another real estate video. We're streaming live in multiple places tonight. We're live on Periscope at Chris Monroe Show. Had to make a new handle just for that. Streaming live on the YouTube channel at Chris Monroe STL. We got a few people over here watching on Instagram. Like I said, if you're watching on IG, jump on over and catch one of these other streams for the full experience. If you want to see everything, feel everything, be a part of the full thing here. And also we're streaming on the Chris Monroe Show page on Facebook as well as my personal facebook page we got some uh a good show for you lined up for you tonight i see you john welcome welcome i see everybody just jumping in what's up what's up with the nuggets from milwaukee d howard you know we bringing some nuggets so i'm gonna bring in let's see here what's going on chris you're in vegas all right i love vegas when i was out there i won some money too don't tell nobody i'm gonna tell you a quick story i was down to 36 dollars playing no limit texas hold them right and guess how much i ended up cashing out after going down to $36, over 3,000. I don't know how it happened. I, maybe I got on a lucky streak, but I beat him down playing some poker. But without further ado, I'm gonna bring in Mr. Rick Jarman. How you doing, Rick? I'm good, Chris. How you doing, buddy? Good, good, good to see mm -hmm. you. 
I, I see uh, everybody's tuned in live here. Where are you uh, coming in from, Rick? I'm out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Oh, wow. That's like a, a, what they would call what? A, a mid-size or smaller size market? Well, we're, the whole county has a little over 200,000 people. Oh, okay. So you so probably dominate that, huh? <laughs> a lot of them are students. You know, we're the University of Alabama's here in Tuscaloosa. So that's, you know, we probably got 40,000 students or so. But Oh, wow. Still been able to make a living at a long time. I know that's I right. One question for you, though, buddy. You <laughs> said a heavy hitter. Now, was you talking about my real estate or my weight? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, you yeah. never know. Say be both. Why not, right? Say a heavy hitter, a heavy eater. Oh. I understand. But for people who may not know, Rick, uh, give a little bit of background, how you got into real estate, how long you've been in it, and what do you do? Well, it's all I've ever done. I started uh, doing construction work between my 11th and 12th grade of high school, realized that's what I want to do the rest of my life. And Pretty much that's all I've ever done. I started out right out of high school working as a laborer on a union construction job, got in the carpenter's apprentice, come a carpenter, went to work for about 10 years in maintenance at the university. The whole time I was doing remodeling and buying houses and flipping and everything. And in 1984, I graduated high school in 73. So by 1984, I went full time in this business, building houses, remodeling, flipping, buying rentals, whatever it took to keep making a living all these years. Oh, wow. So you've seen all types of up, downs, and all arounds in this market, huh? Through several recessions, a lot of things, you know, and I saw in your uh, intro talking about not being a quitter. That's, you know, that's what it takes for longevity in this business. You can't be a quitter. I tell folks I've been married it's coming June to be 47 years. I got married at 18, so I'm not a quitter or anything. Wow, 47 years. I can't get 47 days right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So does she help you in your real estate stuff, or she just kind of watch no, you? No, no, no. She was a school teacher for 25 years and retired, I guess, about 2002 or three, somewhere along there. She came and worked with me for about a week, and I sent her home. I said, just make my life easier at home, and uh, I'll, I'll handle this, and it just didn't work. Because she's always been real supportive and never questioned anything. But as far as working together, you know, I, she'd say, well, why are you doing it this way? Why are you doing You know, just do it, you know. So it wouldn't been good for my marriage, so I just sent her on home. And yeah. she liked that because that's, you know, she just takes care of the grandkids, that kind of stuff. Today's broadcast is being brought to you by WokeSkipTracing.com. Look up phone numbers and email addresses with ease, with pricing as low as only 15 cents per match. Not per search, per match. If there's no number or email address, you don't pay. Get accurate data in just minutes. WokeSkipTracing.com. That's WokeSkipTracing.com. I know that's right, because you get the wrong one in there, they, they start asking, you don't want that. You got to move fast and you can't be stopping answering questions. <laughs> I know that's right. So you say you started real estate in what year now? I went full time in 1984. I did construction and, you know, buying and flipping everything on the side. Uh, but by 1984, I started my full time career as a home builder. And actually, I was got licensed as a real estate agent in 1983, did it part time for a year. 84, I went to work 
full time. I was selling for somebody else and building for myself. In Alabama, you had to sell for two years full time to get your broker license. So I got my broker license in 1986. And, you know, I've always did the building for myself since 84 and in the real estate since 1986. Wow. So you got over 36 plus years of experience in real estate. Good night. Yep. Wow, wow, wow. Well, so so has things changed, I guess, a lot, right? <laughs> man, I actually, you know, I'm on Instagram and I know you tell folks, but it's real estate old school. It's real hard. That's everything I got called that. I did a video called uh, some old school real estate. And, you know, I caught the tail end that computers were just getting ready to come out. You know, we still, what people wouldn't use them that much in their office or whatever, but I was showing them how you used to, you know, when you buy a piece of property, Nowadays, they ask you, do you want title insurance or title, you know, or owners and mortgage title? Uh-huh. Back then, you could just get what they called a title opinion. And oh. what you would get would be an abstract of title, and it would show a house from the time it was built, all the owners. And I showed a couple of those in my video, one of them back to like 1900 and something, like early 1900s and one like 1940-something. Uh-huh. And uh, when I first started buying rentals, you know, you would uh, get a little payment book and you'd go down to the bank like there's owner financing. Uh-huh. And, it, you know, you go down and get your little bookmark and they'd stamp your book. And uh, the MLS, you know, we everybody talks about the MLS. We were really excited when it started coming out twice a month. It was a book. Oh, so this was the original of the MLS. Yeah, it was in a book form then, you know. So Wow. And when you listed a piece of property, you know, like say you're going to list somebody's property, well, you, you might ask them, say, could I borrow your deed and go make a copy of it? Or if they wouldn't do that, you had to go to the courthouse, go and look in records and pull their deed up and pay for a copy. It's so much easier now with everything, you know, online and it's just a different world. It's a whole nother world. And so uh, I know a lot of people that are, um, you know, maybe a little older in age feel like this technology is too much. How do they... Uh, how would somebody that's like feel like this technology and you know YouTube and Instagram is all too much? How would you uh, tell them some advice to kind of overcome that fear? You know, I get I tell folks I'll be sixty five in uh, May, and I got a lot of friends still use dead gun flip phones, you know, and and uh, they might do a little Facebook, but trying to I've tried to get them to get on Instagram, you know, and follow me, and it's like pulling teeth ever. Chicken boy, you just can't get them to do it, you know. But you just got to jump in there, and, you know, and you got to keep changing with the times, you know. Uh, when I got on Instagram, I knew nothing about it. And I just, everything I learned, I went on uh, YouTube, you know. And I've got a 15-year-old granddaughter. Of course, she would have been 14 at the time. She could have showed me half this stuff, probably real easy, but she wouldn't slow down and take the time. So I had to dig it out. But it's, uh, you know, it's been a fun. Uh, a lot of people ask me, so what books you read? But for the past year, I've been reading YouTube, learning this stuff, you know. That's I did, like I told you, I did a Zoom. I did a couple of Skypes, and now I'm live on YouTube, you know. <laughs> you might be able to ask me something. You better tell me nothing. That's right. You stepping it all the way up now. They done messed up. They say, I can do what? Click a button, and I'm there? Wow. <laughs> Well, you know, my I was getting a little nervous while I go because I was hoping I'd get everything going here right. And my wife said, well, don't be nervous. I said, I ain't nervous about the real estate. I'm nervous about getting this thing up and running right. Mm-hmm. But hey, we're here, you know. 
<laughs> no, that's right. And so for the people that's watching over here live, uh, if you do have any questions about anything that we're talking about or anything you may want to know about, put it in the comments. We'll definitely try to get to it before we end the stream here. And so uh, so you say you have about how many rentals? Is it 100 plus? I have a, almost 125. Depends on what day of the week it is. You know, sometimes we'll sell something, keep it and add to it or whatever. We we run over 100 all the time. Okay, so what would be a good reason to want to sell a property? I know people say, get real estate, just keep buying it. What would be a good time to want to sell it? Well, you know, sometimes you get a piece, like sometimes I buy a piece of property. You know, we flip some. Now, I quit building in uh, 2015 when I turned 60. I'd built about 500 houses and 31 years of doing that. It's really a stressful business. And to me, flipping's like being on vacation. I mean, I just, I love it. And it's, it's just not near the stress. And I've got my son works with me. He's in May, he'll be with me 20 years, you know. So he and I own 26 houses together. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I sell one every now and then, just if it maybe it gets to be too valuable for the type of rental I like. Yeah, excuse me, I've got a cough drop in my mouth. I've, I've been a little oh, no allergies this week and I don't want to lose my voice. But I'll, like, I don't do student rentals. I'm in a town that is student rentals, and I pretty much sold all my student rentals off. But the kind of houses I do, I do a lot of Section 8, which I really, you know, I'm big on that. People think slum lower and stuff like that. No, I mean, I got houses, a hundred and something thousand dollars that are Section 8, huh. you know, that I rent. But I didn't pay that for them, but that's what they're worth now. But sometimes in some areas, they get so valuable that it doesn't pay, you know, to keep them and sell them. Then I'll just buy another one, do a 1031, you know, tax-free exchange. And so every now and then I'll sell one off. Not often. I, I'm in for the long haul mostly though, but I buy some things, like I said, that don't fit my criteria of what I want to keep. So I will, you know, flip one of them. So you said you don't do the student housing or the student apartment rentals. Why not? What's wrong with that? Well, it's just me. You know, like I told you, I worked, I think I told you, I worked at the University of Alabama for 10 years in maintenance, 1974, 1984, when I went full time. Well, I was in housing, nothing but the students, the dorms and rental properties, never set foot in the classroom. And I had all of them I wanted then, you know, but uh, <laughs> I just, it's just a different, I, I like the setup of, I like the checks coming in, you know, get a bit of them from the government. Uh, you know, getting your section eight checks and students, you know, it's just, you got a big turnover and it's just totally two different animals to try to see. We do our own property management too. Right. And just two different animals, you know, to try to do them both. It just didn't work good. So you created a property management company just for property management for yourself or for others as well? No, I don't do anybody else's. Now that was a time in the nineties. 19, no, it's probably about 1993, somewhere along there. I was fourth owner of a Coldwell Banker franchise, and I created a property management company that managed about 300 units. You know, some of them were mine, some were other people's. But uh, I don't do, I get people ask me all the time, but I don't want to have to be responsible for nobody but my own stuff. You know, that way, if I make a mistake, nobody to blame. I know that's right. And so over the years, I know you've made plenty of mistakes. What, what are some mistakes that you could say you've made that's uh, over time that you know that you'll never make again? Okay. Well, hopefully never. 
you know, in the late nineties, I, I got in like, you know, we just like president Trump and a lot of other people got in some, you know, trouble when the market changed. And so I learned a lot of lessons then. So when 2008 hit, I was sitting, you know, good. I mean, I, we, we wasn't building any houses, you know, we were just maintaining. I wouldn't say we were making money, but you know, our rentals are what pulled us through and saved us here in my town, probably maybe all the builders, but maybe six or seven put out of business you know because it's kind of funny in the building business the banks they only gonna loan you so much so you're either gonna buy houses for rentals or you're gonna be building so you had to diversify and deal with a lot of different banks but during the recession 2008 man they just you know they quit loaning and it was uh kind of interesting times but like i said we were fortunate enough to be able to pull back and live off of rentals that makes sense. That makes sense. So it really didn't hurt you because I know a lot of people that went through the 2008 recession actually made money like they got more. I mean, they got rich. <laughs> I, you know, I, I tell folks uh, after the recession, now I had to battle with some banks for a little while because I had just bought a million four of lots to build on. Because since 1998, I hadn't built what you'd call a custom house on somebody else's land. We'd go in, buy the lots, be our plan. We'd you know, pick the plan, build the house. If somebody come along and wanted to buy it during the construction period, they could pick their colors or whatever. So I just bought a third phase of a neighborhood. I had been building it for several years and banks quit loaning money. So we had to ride that out. But wow. after that was over with, I, you know, I was fortunate. I had a private money lender I was dealing with and I was able to buy some deals, stuff that wouldn't necessarily you know, fit my criteria to keep. But when the market turned, I knew I could sell them. So I was able to increase my net worth by about $2 million right after the recession. So, Just for them making a mistake, get made you more money. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, and I tell people about the rental business, if you get to high dollar rentals and something happens, and like it was then where people were losing their jobs and, you know, upper end jobs, you know, I don't know what, want to call it but not your typical working person well they had to scale down but if you had working class rentals and upper you know lower stuff like i'm talking about section eight and the working man you're not gonna you know they're gonna keep renting you know like i always say you know people are going to either rent or buy or live under the bridge and only so many can live under the bridge everybody had to live somewhere even during the recession mm. if you had the right kind of rentals you could keep them renting yeah, because from what I understand during that recession that uh, basically the rents went up because they needed more people to go rent. Well, a lot of, I think some places maybe the rents went up. I think a lot of it, you know, uh, people were just glad to be getting their rent and keep it coming, you know, and people with their jobs. But, it, you know, it probably, mine just went up normal because, like I said, the type of property I'm in, it just, you know, went up just like it normally would. Okay. And so do you prefer like the single families, the duplexes or the four families or more doors in that five plus? Yeah. What do you prefer? Since I've been on Instagram, I've kind of tell folks I call sing, single family 10 units and down now because, you know, when I think of multiple family like here in this, my town, you know, we're talking 50, 100, 200 units, you know. So I prefer single family. I always have. I've had a 16 unit complex before and a 10 unit and a five plex. But I got rid of all that over the years. I didn't like the idea of being a, a grown-up daycare. You know, a lot of times that's what you get involved when there that many people in your building. So 
I have single family. I've got some duplexes, you know, and I've got a couple, you know, commercial buildings too. And I deal with, you know, I buy and flip land too, you know, I buy land that I think I can get rezoned from maybe one zone and get it commercial and, you know, sell it. But our main thing is single family. I mean, I just, it just went along with what we were doing, being in construction, you know, and it just, it worked for us. We, we just liked it. And I get this question a lot of times. Um, I know you just mentioned something about um, buying land to develop and things like that. What kind of uh, numbers are you come up with to figure out what you're going to pay for some land? Well, I hadn't developed any in, since, oh, late nineties. You know, I used to have developed a few subdivisions, whatever, or phases of a subdivision. And that's been so long ago, I'm kind of out of touch. And what I do is I'll find a piece of land that, uh, to give you a good example, I bought a piece of land the other day that actually back in the late eighties, I changed, I bought it, me and a guy, the guy owned it and he and I went in together and had it rezoned for residential, it was like manufacturing. But where it was, nobody was, you know, go do any manufacturing. Well, then something changed in the market. I think it's one of the recessions that came in the 80s, and he just didn't want to ride out, so we split ways. He paid me what I had in it and moved on. Well, fast forward it to about two years ago, the land's still sitting there. So I'm thinking, hmm. I had a guy that was looking for some land for a commercial building, and he said it wasn't big enough for him, but it got me to thinking about it. I said, well, you know, I might ought to just buy this myself. So I went to the guy and because I knew him and approached him and uh, I bought it and it was on residential, of course, because we'd had it rezoned back in the eighties. So uh-huh. I thought, man, I'd be able to get it back manufactured, but it took me about a year and a half through the city of Norport and I got it rezoned to commercial. I couldn't get manufacturing, but you know, I paid like 30. The deal I told the guy was, I said, look, he wouldn't been getting anything on it. Land just been sitting there. So he had already told me what he would sell it for. And the price he said was 37,000. So I said, okay, I'll give you 37,000. You finance it hundred percent interest only for 24 months. And uh, he agreed to it because he didn't have anything coming in. Now he got some money coming in. So I had to actually go back to him, get him to extend it. Or I'd have had to pay it off because it took me a little longer to get it through the city of Norport. So now we got it on the market at 129.9, and we got a little over 40 something in it with the interest and stuff. So, so you talk now, he's talking some creative real estate. I heard you say something about seller financing interest only two years on a balloon payment and all this. You're talking about talk now. (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. I mean, like I told you, I I did it all but wholesaling. Don't ask me nothing about wholesaling. I never did that. Now, I bought stuff from wholesalers or Back when we used to call it, you know, that's a term I've learned since I've been on Instagram, wholesaling. We used to just somebody be, get something under contract and, you know, want to sign it to, you know, because back then you'd write your contracts as your name or as a sign, you know. So what did they call it back then before it was known as wholesaling? Just just, just to sign the contract. They'd get something under contract. So that's been something I've had to learn. And I did a couple of videos about it. Is all these abbreviations and stuff, you know, for everything. And I'm thinking, hell, I don't know what all I'm having to figure it all out, you know. I had a guy sent me one other day. He said, uh, HOS. And I, I sent him a message back. He did. I said, man, I'm sorry. What is HOS? He says, I meant HOA, Homeowners Association. You know, I didn't have a clue what he was. But I mean, it's been like that. I mean, you know, 
I told them about the first time somebody said PDF, and I said, don't you PDF me. <laughs> <laughs> don't you dare PDF me. None of that. I don't know about all this DM, DM you, buddy, you know. <laughs> wow. I've had to learn a lot of stuff, man, on here. But I tell you, I, I've been accepted by the Instagram community. You know, it's kind of strange. My following are ages 24 to 35. And, you know, when I started, I was 60. Let's say I'll be 65. So I, I ain't been on a year, so I was 64. And uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a good ride. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it gives me something to do. And, you know, not one time I tell them any of my videos, if I try to sell them anything or want anything, I'm, I'm just having a good time sharing. And, uh, and helping people out. That's right. That's right, yeah. Right. And, you know, I've been able to build my Instagram following up to almost, I already hit 6,300 by this weekend. Wow. And, uh, I, you know, I think that's pretty good for old, old gray-headed fat man, you know, just uh, <laughs> what do I you try to put a video out every day just about. I very seldom miss putting one out. Oh, okay. So you put out a lot of, you do a lot of live streaming on, on there. Yeah. Well, I just, yeah, I just record them and upload them. I do, I, I just, I just do videos, you know, just talking about things or whatever. And, uh, and they just coming in like, oh, man, I like this guy. He's talking my talk. <laughs> well, I, I try to throw him a lot of knowledge out there, and I try to keep it entertaining also. Right. I know that's right. Education and entertainment mixed together equals success. There we go. There we go. There but I'm go. actually getting ready to do my first uh, – I don't know if you're familiar with Fox, the original real estate baller on Instagram. He's in New York, uh, and New York is my largest fo following. Go figure, man. I mean, and LA is the next one, but he's going to bring me out there in April, April the 18th. And I told him I didn't want to do like your typical seminar. I said, I wanted something intimate. And we finally going to stretch it out to 40 people. That's going to be the maximum. And I'm just going to spend a day with folks and just, you know, just try to fill the heads with everything I can. And, and hope we're going to make a little money, too, you know. I mean, I am a businessman, but I, had, I ain't tried to sell them nothing on here, but that ain't going to be free there, you know. There you go. Ain't nothing wrong with it. I mean, so that, is that going to be your first live presentation, or have you tried? to be my first live. Now, I've had things, you know, I've, I'm not crowds. I, you know, for years, I played music, too, I, you know. So I, I like crowd. I'm like, oh, you know, you can pat me on the back and lead me off a cliff, you know, the more you clap, the the harder I work, you know, so I, I like a crowd and, you know, I, I've had things, situations. I was president of my home builders association in 2009. Think about that. That's the worst year you could be president uh -huh. right in the middle of the recession. And, you know, a lot of people always worry about standing up there in front of folks, but you know, it didn't bother me. I know that's right. Let's see here. Look like we got a couple of people asking some questions over here. They asked, how did you get, off your start off your first rental was it from the construction something or something no no i actually bought my first rental in 1981 so uh what would that be i come out i was 18 when i come out of high school in 73 so so, so you know not by 1981 so we're talking eight years later so was that 26 as a guy I was working with at the university was going through a divorce and he had a house for selling. At this time, the house was worth about 20000 And he was going to sell it for ten, just what he owed. 
So now I didn't, you know, I'm broke as a church house mouse. I mean, I got my job and I work inside jobs, but I got one child and one on the way or whatever. Excuse me. And uh, so I go to my credit union. I show them the deal on the house and they say, well, that's a, that's a good deal. We'll, we'll finance that for you a hundred percent. And, but you're going to have to have the fix up money. So I had a real nice Ford Ranger XLT truck. And I said, well, I sell this truck because they ain't going to quit making trucks. But this is a good deal. So I sold my truck. I went and found a 1969 Plymouth station wagon that had a tailgate that folded down, you know, like a truck's tailgate. And I knew I could work out of it. And they were asking $600 and it had a loan value of $1,200. So I got the credit union loan me $1,200 on it. So that gave me $600. Plus the money out of mine. So I bought that house, fixed up with that money and started renting it. And that was the first one. Wow. So you came in from the beginning, getting creative right off. Oh the- yeah, man. It's and, and that same house, I bet I refinanced it three times over the years. Cause you know, you got to remember when you refinance a piece of rental property and you cash out your equity and you keep it cash flowing, that's borrowed money. You don't pay no taxes on borrowed money. That's right. You got to get that debt because they can't pay no tax on it. That's it. I did one other day. Matter of fact, I call it the Burr method on overdrive. You know, they talk about the Burr method. I said, heck, I've been doing that ever since I bought my first house at 21 and fixed it up and flipped it. And my wife and I moved in it and remodeled it ourselves. But uh, I had two houses and uh, two houses and two four, two houses and two duplexes that I only owed like $91,000 on. They were kicking off about 6,000 positive cash flow a month. So I went in and refinanced them, kept it where they still cash flow. They're still generating about almost, well, about 2,500 a month still in positive cash flow. And uh, wait a minute, did I say 6,000? Well, it was 4,000 positive cash flow. Oh. Now they're still generating 2,000. And I cashed out one hundred and sixty-eight thousand dollars. That was just here not long ago. Uh, 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 uh. But, but oh. A lot of my stuff is either paid for or way down, you know. And just sometimes, you know, you want to. I try not to use the banks as much anymore. I might still have to use them some, but uh, I do all the fix up out of pocket and you know, just that kind of stuff. And so I heard you say something, too, in your story about your very first deal. It sounded like you made a huge sacrifice to just say, you know, I'm going to do something with this truck to get creative, to come up with the money to make this deal happen. What do you yeah. think I need to get creative like that? And, and I assumed an FHA loan on that first house. See, back in the day, an FHA loan or a VA loan were fully assumable. There was two qualifications. You had to have a $45 transfer fee. And if they held a mirror under your nose and you were breathing, you qualified. (laughs) Now you had to have the money for the equity, but what I did, I got a second mortgage from the individual at a high interest rate. You know, they were usury laws, but I didn't know nothing about any usury laws back then. I just was glad to borrow the money. And my second mortgage payment was probably almost as high as the first, but I bought the house, fixed it up, sold it. Found another house, went back to the same man. I found another FHA to assume. I said, would you be interested in doing it again? He said, well, you paid me the first time. I don't see why not. So first two houses, we did like that. And we'd fix them up ourselves, paint them up, move in. With the third house, 
I assumed to be a loan. And these are my personal residence, you know. And I did all three of them. We moved to three times in two years. So from 21 to 23, I done moved up from about a 700 square foot house, you know, that's 40 years old, built after World War II, to a three bedroom, two bath brick house, about 1800 square feet on an acre of land. And by the third one, I paid the second mortgage off, had money to pay down on it, about $8,000 left over. And I'm thinking, hmm, this might work out. Say <laughs> so this stuff kind of work a little bit. But it's but in my days, it was always about being the creative part, especially if you didn't, you know, have a lot of money. You know, I'm raising kids. And I was just work, up to 84. I was just working a regular old job as a maintenance man, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you this, and I don't mean it like a brag. This business is something that can take you from, I mean, I come up as poor as poor can be. My first job where they cut your taxes, my summer job, I was 14. I worked for the city of Norport on a garbage truck. Mm-hmm. Worked my way up to the brush truck, which was improvement, you know. And uh, my dad got disabled when I was three years old. He was a War II veteran, and uh, he was in the VA until I was 15. Well, I got married at 18, so my dad was more like a big brother. So I didn't come from money. And, in fact, <clears throat> I didn't know this about two years ago. I got a brother six years older than me. He was telling me that for about a year we were homeless, that my mama, she and I lived with one of her sisters, and, and he lived with another sister. Because back in them days, you know, the, the wife didn't work, and my mom didn't have a job, didn't have a driver license, and daddy got sick. I guess they had, I don't know if they sold the house or lost it, the car. So when she got on her feet, I look back now, and I know why she worked so hard to keep a roof over our head. And she always instilled in me and my brother say, you don't want to rent houses. You want to own your own house. Oh, that was uh, people in the back. (laughs) But don't get me wrong. I like renters. I like them a lot. I love them too. (laughs) All what you pay, I'm good with you. But you know what I was going to say, like I said, I don't want this to mean like a brag or nothing, but I live here in Tuscaloosa in the neighborhood I live in. If you're familiar with college football, well, coach Saban lives three houses up from me. So, you know, he's the head coach of the football team here. And I told my wife, I said, when we moved here almost six years ago, I said, they got doctors and lawyers and football coaches. I said, now they got a redneck living in here. <laughs> mm, so you done moved up in the game. But that's what it can do for you. So real estate is truly life-changing. I keep telling people that, and they're like, oh, well, you know, I got to do this. I'm like, man, you need to stay up late, get up early, do whatever it takes, pawn it, gold jewelry, or whatever really? you need to do to get you some real estate because the stuff just – it's just life-changing. It's every, I mean, what they say, most millionaires have real estate or something like that or whatever the same yeah, thing. That's it. You know, more millionaires have been made out of real estate than anything else. And, you know, when I first got into it, I was working at the university when, you know, when I bought my first rental house, my second house, third, few others. I mean, I would, you know, I would hear stuff like, what you going to do if they all get empty? I'm thinking, you know, if they all get empty at this time, I'm thinking, we're going to be in worse trouble than just me worrying about empty houses, you know, because like most places, if you've got the right house, it's going to stay rented. If you do what you're supposed to do, you know, and I know there's parts of the country, even during the recession, that it changed. But, you know, even the banks, you know, they didn't call and say, hey, we want your rental property. They wanted that money coming in. The banks were in damage control during the recession. They were trying to keep the doors open and uh, 
you know, keep them being taken over by the feds. Cause what would happen just like me when I had those lots, we paid like 40 something thousand dollars a lot. Oh. When the recession hit, the value went down. Well, like the banks, every dollar they loaned, they had to keep so many dollars in reserve. And so if they loaned out, say, a million dollars, and all of a sudden it's only worth 700, they got to get that money in. Well, where do they get it? They can't get it from people that's paid, they're not paying. So they go out to people that's paying. Uh-huh. You know, get them to pay down their loan to rework it, you know. No, they can't come in during the middle of your terms. But when you're turned up, they can say, hey, you know, we're not going to renew it or you need to take it somewhere. It's like, where are you going to take it? So then that leads to some trouble. But you didn't have that problem with the rental houses. I mean, oh. they were making money. The banks was happy. Everybody was happy. So did you also get into some of that fix and flip stuff? Or you, everything you bought, you tried to just keep it most of the time? Yeah, I mean, I keep, I mean, well, I can't say that over the years, you know, you do what you got to do. I mean, this has been my living. You know, if I wasn't building houses, I'd be remodeling. If I, took, I used to take houses that on trade. That's something I never hear anybody talk about. On trade? I actually did a video about that. And what, what you do, the way I would structure it, say you got a house that you want to sell and you want to buy my new house. Well, I say, okay, Chris, here's what I do. I'll buy your house for X amount of dollars. You know, your wife don't want to move twice and, you know, all these things. So I would kind of like trading cars. You'd get it down to where you're getting it about 70% of what the value is. And they're paying you full price for your house that you're selling, the new one. So then I'd have my contracts. I'd do two separate contracts. One contract continued on the other one, fulfilling what they're supposed to do and then vice versa. So if you didn't buy mine, I didn't buy yours. So when it closed, it's two separate contracts. And a lot of times I'd have it in two different companies, you know, not my construction company, but a company I'm keeping the house in. So when I go to the bank and it closes, the bank, I mean, the one I've built, when it sells, I'm getting my full price. So I'm getting most of my profit. Well, then the one I'm buying from you, I look and see how I work up my repairs and, the bank's going to loan me back then that loan you 80% appraisal. You know, nowadays it's, you might get 80% of fixed up value and cost, you know? Uh-huh. So I would get most of my money when I sold the house, but then I'd still be getting a piece of rental property. Mm. So you talking about a, the real definition of a double closing? Yeah, it's it's double like a double closing and it's a trade, you know? So you don't have to move twice. Your wife's happy. You don't have to fix your house up. I'm gonna fix it up, and you're gonna have a new house. So you sound like you've been, you've done so much stuff in this real estate. Where did you learn all this stuff, Rick? You know, just reading and just doing and learning. You know, like somewhere I read the other day on Facebook. I mean, on Instagram, it says, you know, you get it. Well, how do it go? Something like to keep from making mistakes, whatever. You get experience. How do you get experience from making mistakes? You know, that's kind of it's kind of thing. It's just just doing it for so long, and you just got to do what you got to do. When everybody else is just trying to do the straight normal stuff, and and the market's not good, you got to keep paying them bills, feeding your kids, and keep a roof over your house. So you just get creative. That's right, getting creative. That's the world I love. I mean, yeah. you know, 
It's, it's no reason not to, you know, say, I can't get into this game. People don't even know you can do this stuff just from learning how to do it and getting the paperwork right. It's really well, something. You know, when I left the university, I quit two jobs in one day. Actually, I'd been there for 10 years in maintenance, and I'd been selling real estate part-time for a year. Well, I was selling enough real estate. I was making as much as I would because I was only making $8 and something an hour. Back then, I was just, you know, it'd be equivalent to maybe 20 bucks an hour today. So it wasn't no high paying job. It was a good job, good benefits, but you can't eat those benefits. Mm. So I knew I was making enough selling. I could, same thing I was making there. I knew I could live on it. And then when I started building, I mean, I told my wife, I remember one month I turned around there. I said, God, I said, I didn't make as much this month. I'd have made a whole year at the university. Exactly. One deal can make your whole yearly income. That's crazy. You know, people just, but you know, it's not for everybody. Everybody's not meant to be an entrepreneur. Everybody's not meant to be in this business. And and you have to realize that. I know you, you, you I can tell you're always enthusiastic. I try to tune in your lives during the week when I'm running down the road or at my desk, you know, and you're always upbeat and excited. But when I first got in it and was buying my first rental property, I mean, I'd buy stuff. I don't even like to get in it today, you know, what talk about no money down, but I probably hit on one or two cases recently. And people think you can't buy no money down. You can. Not all the time, but the right situation. Yeah. Well, back when I was starting, you know, I, I called it the miracle of real estate. I want to tell everybody about it. I'm thinking, why can't they see this? You know, <laughs> and finally you just get to where, well, hell, they don't care nothing about it. You just quit telling, you know. So, when I got on Instagram, you know, kind of a quick story. If you got time, you tell me what you want to talk about, what I need to be talking about, because I ain't rattle here all night. My son introduced me to the Bigger Pockets podcast, my son Jacob Jarman. And this was about two years ago. I didn't even know what a podcast was. And he said, listen. And so I got to listen. I said, you know, I kind of like that. I said, I believe I'd like to be on that show. I didn't have no sense. No, you know, I'm just thinking. Because I was hearing people did a deal or two, and they was an expert. So I stayed up one night writing me a, well, I had to find out first, how would you go about getting on there? Uh-huh. Well, I got to thinking, I said, well, that David Green's a real estate agent. His number's going to be somewhere. Somewhere. So I got on, on, you know, on the internet and found his number, tried calling him. Of course, his, his box would be full or, you know, his, his voicemail. So I sent him a couple of emails and, Never heard anything. So finally, after about three or four emails, he sent a thing to me, tell me how you go and go on their website and you fill out this paperwork or fill out the form. So I stayed up one night, one o'clock, filling it out. And I'm not, I tell folks I can add like hell, but I can't spell. You know, I can't spell, but I can add like hell. You know what I'm I try to get this thing done and I lose it. I don't know if it went through or not. So next day I get up, I do another one. So I send it and I said, now look, you may have got one last night or you may get this one. I said, look at them both, whichever one you like best, go with it. <laughs> but, but I never heard nothing. Then somebody said, well, you got to be involved in their form. And I'm thinking, what the hell is a form? But I mean, I, I knew what a form was, but I'm thinking, well, to this day I hadn't did it, you know, on the form. So I said, well, by golly, I'll just start my own podcast. So I got on YouTube and I read all about, I think the guy's named Pat Flynn or somebody telling you how to do it, you know, and 
I ordered me a mic, got them garage band and had somebody supposed to do me a website. It went through about two people and I got aggravated. And I said, it's just too much work. I ain't doing this. Uh-huh. So I said, I'll start a YouTube channel and I still got it to today, but I got on there and wasn't much happening, you know, cause I didn't have a clue what I was green as a cucumber. So I think, well, I must not have nothing anybody wants to hear. Well, somebody says, well, you need to get on Instagram. I said, well, I thought Instagram was just Facebook for young people. <laughs> and I didn't know I'd been on Facebook. They said, no, no, you, you go. Well, I'm the oldest person I've seen on there except that one old billionaire that you see cusses all the time in that suit, you know. I don't know who he is, but everybody else is younger than me. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I got on there and everybody. Man? Me. Sir? Something about the billion dollar man? Yeah, I guess that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, Dan Pena, Daniel Pena, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, the billion dollar man. Yeah. He, he made billionaires, so I can't say nothing bad about no, him. He's just the only one I've seen on here older than me. <laughs> but, but you know, so I got on Instagram and it's kind of took off, and I, you know, and I like it. I mean, I'm having a good time with it, keeps me busy. I've tried to scale back my workload a little bit. You know, I tell folks, I used to have my semi retired, I'd cut back to 10 hour days, but. Now I'm down to about six with a good hour lunch break. Nothing so. wrong with that. You, you got to do what you got to do. So that makes sense. But so. I love working. I never plan to retire. You know, I mean, it's all about loving what you do. I mean, why, you know, I hear these guys say, oh man, when I get 40 or 45, I'm going to quit and just go do this. You know, if you build a business up and you, and you really love this and thrive on it, it's like a drug. You can't walk away from it. Now, the day I die, I turned the deal. Or if I didn't turn the deal, at least maybe I collected some rent that day. <laughs> One or the other. Something That's right. As long as something was happening. That's right. We taking action. There ain't nothing wrong with that. So uh, the people that's watching here live, make sure if you do have a question, drop it in here. We're going to try to get to a couple of them here. Uh, we want to be respectful of the time of everything here, Rick. And all they keep asking, what's the handle? Real estate old school on Instagram and everywhere, really, right? Real estate old school. Same way on YouTube. So you make it easy. That's how I do. Chris Monroe STL everywhere. So people can say, well, I don't know where to find you. I don't know this. I don't know that. Well, I don't know what else to tell you. I made it easy. <laughs> hey, I made my own TikTok now. It's already. I got to tell you this one. When I first got on Instagram, my little granddaughter, you know, she was 14 at the time. And mine started taking off. She says, tell them, go follow me. I said, you get your own. And so when I she, they, when I told them I was going to get on TikTok, you know, because Gary Vee's always talking about TikTok. And I didn't know who Gary Vee was a year ago. So I get on there and I actually got one of my TikToks. It's probably going to hit 30,000 views here in the next few days. Most what? of them not that high, but I got several of them, 10,000, 11. Wait a minute. You telling me you're going viral on TikTok now? I got a thousand or something followers and about 6,000 views, almost 6,000. And I guess I've been on there. I don't know. <laughs> Dang. You done went on there and got TikTok famous on them. That's crazy. Before that, I tell you what, the what they call them trolls. They something I'm on there try to get on your butt, though, boy. Yeah. Hey, I'm a big old boy. I'll get back at him. They be hiding behind a fake uh, logo and everything. You don't know who you're talking to. They're talking smack. You know, I had one of them said today, he said, boy, Uncle Sanders has let himself go at it. And I said, Uncle Sanders ain't never looked this good. Or Colonel Sanders, I mean. Wow, Colonel Sanders, yeah. But I had one of them I was talking about. I'd been dealing with Reynolds for 
going on uh, since 1981. And one old guy says, well, it looks like you've been going to the Golden Corral for about 30 years. <laughs> wow. Just stuff like that. I mean, but it don't bother me. I'm thinking, you know, it's just, you know. He, I, and then I said, well, that's probably somebody 24 years old living in his mom and daddy's basement and ain't doing nothing. Ain't got nothing better to do. <laughs> I'm sure what I do. That's right. You, you built for this stuff. If you're an entrepreneur, you got to have some thick skin. You can't right. just say one little thing and tip you off and throw you off your game and make you all, you know, just craziness. Can't do that. Well, so, I did a video the other day called I Got a Bone to Pick with Some of Y'all. Uh-oh. But today, and it's pretty good, you know, it kind of ticked me off that day. Well, I had kind of the same thing happen uh, this morning, last night. So I did another one. called You Got to Have Skin Like a Rhinoceros for This Business. Mm. But I was talking about how, you know, you know, it, it, everybody wants this instant gratification. And, you know, I had one guy started following me and he says, go and share me on your, um, your storyline so I can get some followers. And, you know, I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Sorry about that. Up something. So I went and looked and he had about three things on there. And I'm thinking, first of all, I wouldn't, re- I wouldn't, recommend a carpenter a plumber or electrician somebody didn't know the work i'm not going to take my loyal followers that trust what i when i recommend somebody and send them somewhere by somebody i don't know well he just got ticked and unfollowed me and i said well hell you just unfollow me i don't care (laughs) (laughs) and i let him know i said and i dm'd him you know i said if you're gonna do this business you better learn that you know if you're going to deal with tenants and, and uh, people buying your flips, if you're in the flipping business and, you know, bankers, you, you better get tougher than that. I had one of them that was, he was upset because he sent, he just started following me. And I always say, if you go and watch my videos, you know, you can tell when people watch them. I spend a little more time with them. It's hard because my time's limited. And, you know, I'm getting where I get a lot of DMs. But this one guy just, just started following me. I hadn't even watched the video. And then he went in and asked me all this stuff, yada, 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 how you doing, yada. And finally, I told, you know, I told him, I didn't even see that part of it. Oh. This morning when I was checking my DMs, I saw that. But by this time, he's done said, well, how are you supposed to grow a network if people won't answer you and blah, blah, blah. And he says, I just unfollow you. And I'm thinking, well, just unfollow me. I'm thinking. It'll provide some value. Yeah, you know, it's a two-way street. Exactly. Uh, but that's, I think, you know, and, and, and I went on to say, this business is a time game. The rental property, you buy it and you try to get a cash flow and you keep paying it. You put it on what I call autopilot. So, you know, you just put it off to the side, you work and do what you're doing, make your living. One day you're going to turn around that property's paid for making you a lot of money. Yeah, definitely right about that. I saw uh, something today on Instagram that said, uh, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. I said, oh, that's tight. I like that. <laughs> well, you know, people say, when's the best time to buy real estate? The best time to buy it when you can buy it. Exactly. I, I see these people saying, well, they're waiting for the next recession. What if it doesn't happen? I mean, it wasn't in the world. You, you buy it. You find a piece of property. Now, I preach it's always got to be a deal. And also, something else I preach is 15-year mortgages over 30. Oh. A lot of people want to argue with me on here. But, hey, I've lived it, you know. How old are you, Chris? I'm only in my 30s. I, when you was just getting in real estate, I was just being born. 
<laughs> okay, but let's say how say you're 30 years old. You buy a house, you put on 30-year mortgage, you're gonna be 60 years old. Now, if you buy a deal and let that come into play and you set it up on 15 years, and you can look usually on a 15-year mortgage, your interest rate's better. Uh-huh. So you're getting a better interest rate. You know, you, your cash flow is not going to be as much, but you're not living off that cash flow. I mean, if you got enough of them, you can. But would you rather be 60 years old and it paid for, or would you rather be 45? Probably that 45 be a little bit better. And it flies for you know it. Mm. And, and instead of making, you know, and it may cost you, you know, I even one of my videos, I show the difference in the amount. I tell them I don't plan ahead on none of my videos. I sit down and make one as whatever's on my mind. But that day I actually had ran two amortization schedules. Even used the same interest rate. I didn't even give it the break for the interest rate. And uh-huh. I showed them how much different it was, you know. But see, so many people, and I understand if you're in California, New York, some of these places, it might be hard to make something cash flow. But yeah, like it works for me, you know. And I do everything I do right here in my town. You know, I don't go out of my county. Right. I was going to ask you about that, too. So you only do real estate investing in your town. You don't mess around doing virtual and all this stuff. You know, if I can make my living here, what I want to I mean, I can get in my truck and go look at everything I got in less than 30 minutes. I'm not, every, I mean, like most of them, take a piece of property if I want to look at it. And that's counting traffic, you know. Dang. I know that. Right. Let me see what we got here. I see we got a couple of questions over here. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Tell them don't ask how the gym's going. That's something somebody else asked me on TikTok. How's the gym going? I said, hell, do I look like I go to the gym? <laughs> to the gym. Uh, all right. So we got Bruce Johnson over here on YouTube says, hello, guys. And Rick, how do you manage so much at one time? Well, Bruce, we get good systems in place. Oh, I still approve every application just because if somebody messes up, it'll be me. But I have an office manager that, you know, you hear people say, well, if you're managing your own stuff, you, you could be making that money doing something else. Well, my office manager is my bookkeeper. She answers the phone. She does all those things and helps me manage the property. I have my son works with us. He kind of hands out in the fields with the flipping and seeing the inspections on the rental properties are done and whatever. And I have a full-time maintenance man. Uh-huh. And I've got a, another guy that's kind of in a sub. He used to be employed years ago, but I've kept him busy every day for five years now. So, uh, but that's it. We have a full-time maintenance man. And, and we just have the two employees, that and the office manager, and then my son and myself. So, so it sounds like you get teamwork makes the dream work. Gets good systems in place and, and it's not as bad as you would think, you know. I like the way we do it. We have a 24-hour answering service. And every third week, you know, I'm on call one week, my son's on call one week, and then my office manager. Well, that, you know, you think of that many houses, you get a lot of calls. You might get a week and you get two or three. Most of them is just handling them on the phone. Call. You know, the biggest thing, most of the stuff will wait to Monday, but or the next day. But if you get something that wants, you just call the plumber. And, they go out there and, you know, maybe some main sewer stopped up or something, you know. The same old stuff, right? Always a little work involved. You know, they always talk about this passive income. Even if somebody else is managing your property, excuse me, you've got to, you've got to pay that payment. 
you got to get your insurance. And say you have a heating and cooling unit go. They don't have that kind of money out of your stuff to handle. They're going to call you and they're going to say, how you want to handle this? Well, you got to come up with the money. Tell yeah. me what passive about all that. <laughs> you so right about that. Uh, Jalu over here on Periscope says, uh, let's see, they did students. Okay. They're talking about the student thing earlier. Let me see here. Here's the question though. I cannot do a 1031 exchange because I really wanted another property. Am I going to get hit? Oh, I guess that was part of a two-part question. Let's see here. I did students, but I looked for junior, senior, and I had a section eight tenant for 10 years. I don't know if that goes with that. I, I cannot do a 1031 because I really wanted another property. Am I going to get hit? I guess they went past the 1031 exchange time frame or something, I guess. Probably what he's talking about sounds like, I mean, but you know, when you're making money, you're making money. Even if you had to pay taxes, you're still making money. Pay the cost. You know, you, gotta rent, you know, I always tell folks when you buy a piece of rental property, it needs to stand on its own that day. Don't count, don't, don't lie to yourself. I did a video about that. They don't lie to you. I got videos about anything you want on here. Just about all you got to do is scroll to the left of the IGTV stores and I'll have folks ask questions. I'll just send them the video. Now I don't even try to, it's there. Go look at them. That's but right. Anyway, you make sure it stands on its own that day. Don't count on appreciation. I see too many people buying property now counting on appreciation that keep it working. If it works today, more than likely it'll work if there's a recession, whatever. Because, you know, that's what happened. Like, you know, people were getting adjustable mortgages, counting on depreciation, going to refinance, get a fixed rate. Well, the recession hit, and a lot of them are talking about like their personal homes, the value left in the houses, and they couldn't refinance. All of a sudden, the house was less worth less than it was because they were counting depreciation. Uh-huh. You make it stand on its own, and then the rest of it just be gravy. You know, you've got tax advantages. You know, you've got... Uh, you know, all the write-offs, you know, when you buy one rental house, you're in business. Uh. I mean, you, you buy a shovel, you're buying it for your rental house. You buy a hammer, it's for your rental house. That's a business expense. Everything's for your rental house. Everything. That's right. You got it right there. That's that's the name of the game right there. Be a business. Let's see here. Mr. Smartbucks. Hello, Mr. Smartbucks. Uh, how much do he look for per door or do he just look for a good cap rate? Okay. Well, you know, you don't really talk as much about cap rate in single family like they do in multifamily because, you know, multifamily, you'll buy it. And, you know, if you can increase the value, you know, the rents and stuff that, you know, you it kind of changes. But in a house, you look at the, the bank. I'm going to call it, you go to the bank, it's still a commercial loan and it's commercial, even though it's a residential house. But they're going to look at what your rent is, basically what you can rent it for. And they got their, you know, the criteria they look at. But I, you know, what changes when I first started, if you was making $50 a door, you was doing good. Nowadays, I like to make three, $400, you know, a door over the rent, you know. But I had a, I had a video, VHS video one time. I, that's how we used to learn back in the day. You know, you get guys put out a video or whatever or, They'd have infomercials. I used to record them just to motivate me, go to sleep, listen to old Dave Delgado and some of them guys. Uh-huh. But anyway, this guy said on it, I can't remember his name. I think it was something Kaufman. But he said, how many negative $50 a month can you stand? And this is back in the 80s. 
But he then he said, how many positive 50 can you stand? So, you know, you got to keep positive cash flow, whatever you're doing, you got to find that point that's comfortable for you. A lot of people use the 40% rule, you know, if you know, you take 40, you want 40% of what the rent is above the rent, you know, not counting the rent. And that's, you know, like, and they look at that, you know, it's good cash flow. I just, I like to just see, I clear two, $300 or so a month. And, you know, when you get a certain amount, it just, I don't, this is one thing that being on Instagram has helped me is maybe go back and look at how I do things, why I do them. Cause after a while, after so many years, it's just old shoe. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, you know, it's just an everyday thing. So you don't really think anything about it. You know, you're going to buy a piece of property. You're going to go to the bank. Bank's going to loan you X amount of dollars. You're going to rent it. You're going to cover the payment, have some in reserve. And it's just whatever makes you comfortable, whatever your comfort zone is. I know that's right. Do what makes sense to you. That's smart. That's smart. And uh, they were asking, what was your um, Instagram and YouTube again? Was real estate old school. Real estate old school. Go check them out. Real old, in other words, school. Real estate old school and stocks are EOS. Uh, you didn't win got you didn't got another follower on your TikTok, John Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. Go and follow me on Instagram where I tell them even on TikTok. And, and you know, before Instagram came out with a before I knew about the IGTV, I had a hard time because I I got such a southern draw, it's hard to get it all in in one minute for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least 10 minutes on it or 15 minutes. Yeah, so when I, I got Instagram, you know, IGTV, I, I can, I get into, I do some long ones sometimes. If you see me sit down with my cigar, it's going to be a long one. Usually I do eight, 10 minutes, seven minutes. That's right. Brother says, uh, I'm too old for a 30 year mortgage. That's right. Don't get in no way. All right. D Howard says, hello, Rick, do you do your own evictions? We do. We do. You know, and, and from state to state, eviction laws are different. In Alabama, we had to serve them a seven-day notice. And then after that seven days, it goes to the court. You know, well, let me back up. If you're an LLC, corporation, anything like that, you had to hire an attorney. when you after the, I can send the letter out myself, first seven-day letter. Then it goes to the, the attorney. I turn over to the attorney. He fills out all the paperwork, gives it to the courts, and then it moves as fast as the courts can move it. They'll have the deputy sheriff go out and serve a, a notice, another notice, and then it goes to court. And when when the judge says they're gone, you go and uh, what we do, there'll be a deputy. You have to schedule it with the sheriff's department. And uh, the deputy, they, they have somebody meet you, so, you know, for your safety. They don't do anything but stand there and watch you. I take my men, a couple of guys, and we go out there and, and we clear on the curb. You can't fool with it, do anything, you know. And and you'd be surprised how many people act like they didn't know nothing was going on. People just think it's going to go well. <laughs> but let me say this: my I won't rent. I don't want to evict people. I've only evicted one person in the last four years. That's you know a lot of rental. We got one in the process now. And I think I made a video about it the other day. She, this particular person, you know, I tried to work with her. I said, look, if you pay me X amount of dollars a week and let's get you caught up, 
you know, that's all you got to do. For the first week, she did good. Second week, third week. First thing you know, it didn't come in. And two weeks, it didn't come in. So I had to go ahead and turn it over. Now, we're waiting on the sheriff, I mean, for the courts to rule now, which, you know, we'll get it. Uh. But she called my office. She says, well, how does he and he being me think I can pay that much rent? Well, he being me says if you'd been paying it like you're supposed to, it wouldn't be that much. They would worry about Christmas. They won't go shopping. Hey, man, you bet. When you're in the rental business, right before, you know, right before Christmas. I, I, I felt right it. Right after Christmas, you better stay on top of it. They will miss a payment and be like, oh, time for some baby. All comes ahead, which I want everybody to get that thing. But, you know, I got I got to feed my folks and buy my kids and grandkids stuff. It's a business. I mean, you know, I have some people say, I don't think I could evict anybody. So let me tell you, if they're not paying your rent, they're stealing from me. It's just as simple as that. Yeah. Just, that's your business. Just like if you had a grocery store and they come in and stole stuff, they're living in your house. That's your business. And if they're not paying, they're stealing from you. Exactly what they're doing. All right. Pandora Johnson says, I enjoy the live and the info given. Thanks. Pandora, thanks for coming Thank in. You. Thank you. Nina Garner figured out out of all that what you said, just buy real estate. That's <laughs> it. That's it. Buy it and rent it. <laughs> buy it and rent it. All right. Lena, good to see you as well. Let's see here. I'm creative in those Airbnbs. It's cash flowing. Do you do Airbnb a short-term rental too? I don't. Now, you know, here in my town, they have what they call game day rentals, which is basically the same thing. And I hadn't did any of that. You know, I don't even do any leases less than a year. Because, uh. you know, you got to, of course, I know hey, that's a different thing. But, like, if you you have people come, well, I just need to rent a house for four months or six months. I'm having a house built or whatever. You got the same wear and tear. When, I don't care how good they're when they're moving furniture in and moving furniture out and they're living there. You got to re-clean it. And you got to do all that. So I don't do less than a year lease. And uh. if I get a tenant I get at least two years out of. I'm, I'm happy. But most of my time, I got tenants been me 12 years. And I do a 15-year loan, so I tell you right there who's paid for it. Mm. I think I just made a mistake, Rick. I just agreed today to do somebody for nine months. Is that right? <laughs> but it's a lease option, and they're going to put 4000 down on a house I got no money in. So, I mean, I guess it's That's right. Well, you know, it works. I mean, it's all about, you know, uh, I do. I have some houses that I, I sell people and I finance them do what we call an Alabama bond for titles. A wrap is what it is, you know. They used to have another name. I'd, I'd hear people call it uh, installment, maybe loan. I don't know. But they pay me. I pay the bank. And my loans are all 15 years, and theirs on 30. And I have a balloon in it, you know. But my rate's higher. You know, my rate would be 8%, and I'm paying a lower rate. So I'm getting the spread on the interest rate. I'm getting the money to pay down. And my loan's 15 years, and theirs 30. So. And I, and I used to do them at two two years. I got one guy, I think we're going into year number eight. He's never refinanced, and he got behind a couple of times, and I worked and see people don't realize if you skip a payment, just like the bank, and say your payment's $850, and, and maybe all that's interest set for $100, and you, add, you go back and you add, you figure out how many days it's been since they made the last payment, you figure that interest rate, you know, like if it's say it's been 45 days, you take what that interest rate is on the balance of their mortgage, 
you do it times 300, you'll get the amount, say if it's 8% times their balance, you divide that by 365. For 45 days behind, you got 45 days of interest rate, that, I mean, of interest at that rate. A lot of times they go in negative cash flow. Same oh. way does it. So they may miss one payment and, and end up being $100 old more than they had. Mm, just from being uh, make money. Ain't nothing. I may not explain that real good, but you know what I'm talking about. They'll watch it on the replay. They always do. Huh? If I need to recap it, I can. Okay. Uh, let's see. What state is he investing in? Alabama, right? At Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I don't go out of my county. You're down there by my guy, Real Estate Diddy. They down there doing a lot of business in Alabama. Is that right? Uh-huh. Doing a lot of deals. They're all over Alabama. I know they're in your town, too. Got to be, because they do all over Alabama. I mainly do in two cities, Tuscaloosa and Northport, Alabama. Their river separates them, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, that's where I do business. All right. Uh, thanks, Chris, for showing your experience. And you, Chris, bless many times over. All right, uh, Rick. Uh, so I know you said you had an event coming up. Tell us about that one more time. And also- Well, if you want to know more about it, you can contact the original, uh, the original real estate ballers. That's Fox. Uh, he's out of New York. He's on Instagram. And he's putting it on. And uh, it's going to be April the 18th. It's going to be limited like 40 people and uh, we've already got a room booked. Actually, we booked uh, the hotels in New Jersey, which is like where this is. It's, uh, I can't remember the name now, but it's like 20 minutes out of the city, you know? So just cause you, you do one in Manhattan, the room's going to cost you three or four times as much. And wow. so this is, uh, you know, it's close enough, but it's, it's close enough that we're going to spend two or three days because I've never been to New York. So I told my wife when I started this, I had no reason to do it, just wanted to help people. I said, this thing may work out now. We get some paid vacations, you know, because they talking about wanting me to come to L.A. and Washington, D.C. And, you know, it's kind of business trips. That's right. In fact, I, just this week I picked the papers up today. I set me up a real estate old school LSC. Look at you. Dang, you done got them all. <laughs> you know, I believe in, you know, I have four other LSCs and one S-Corp or C-Corp, S-Corp. Anyway, Inc. Right. <laughs> yep. But the uh, only reason it's that way, I had a partner that I bought out years ago that he his accountant said, you got to realize the accountants are going – well, let, let me tell it like this. If you're doing a job, you're remodeling a house. You go to the plumbing store, buy a plumbing fixture, the plumber's going to tell you it's most important. The plumbing fixture place, the electrical place is going to tell you it's the light fixtures. Well, when you go to your accountant, they're going to tell you what saves you the most taxes. That's their job. But a lot of times that LSC gives you a lot more protection, in my opinion, at least, you know, here in, in my state. So sometimes you got to look at that. So this particular partner, he wanted an ink. We did an ink, and then I bought him out, and then now I'm stuck with it because an ink or an LSC is like a living, breathing person. You have to treat it that way. So if I was to sell that property or transfer it out of that ink to an LSC, I'd end up paying a bunch of taxes. Uh-huh. 
You're right. So you got to dodge that because they say taxes is your largest expense. I see it. That's right. That's right. All right. I did want to ask you, too, what do you plan on doing for 2020 here? Do you have some goals for this year or going into the future? What do you plan to do? We're going we're, – we're really concentrating. We do about 10 flips a year. I, I kind of set a goal for 20 this year just because all the – I said all these young people doing so much stuff, it fires me up. I probably shouldn't have said that because I show – you know, my mind, I get to think I'm just as young as they are when I hear them because I love it. So – but I can come home in the afternoon, you know, I realize, whoo, it's kind of like when I got out of building, folks said, don't you miss building? I said, well, I do sometimes, but – I can get in that recliner and it'll pass. That's right. But my goals are to keep doing what we're doing. We're going, if it's a deal, I, some weeks I tell my son we're not buying any more rentals. I mean, you know, we're just going to concentrate on flipping. Then somebody called me about a good deal and we go buy it, you know. So we're going to continue buying. And I'm buying rentals now for, and I hopefully I got another 15 years in me. But if I don't, you know, I'm buying for my kids, grandkids, and, you know, I, people say, what's your exit strategy? I don't plan to sell. Sometimes my accountant, who's also my nephew, he'll say, Son, you ought to just sell all that cash out and put the money in the bank. But, you know, I enjoyed making the, buying the property. I enjoyed doing the business. And I'm building generational wealth. I mean, I live good. You know, it's, it's just we're going to keep doing it. Just keep on doing what we're doing. Keep on rolling, keep on trucking. Would you uh, only invest in Alabama or do you, you do stuff? Would you invest in other markets at all? I don't see it happening. I might would go, if I got up with somebody that I felt good about, I might would, you know, be the the money partner and deal with somebody another. I probably should say that now folks be DMing, but I mean, but <laughs> I'm not looking to do that at this point. I just do, I like doing my own stuff. I don't have partners except my son. And, uh, you know, it's just why go out of town when you do it right here, you know. And uh, and I didn't get to tell you this. In 2011, right after the recession, we had a really large, it was a bad tornado in Tuscaloosa. I had 26 houses totaled in a commercial building. I had like a $2 million insurance claim. Now, I was insured, excuse me, but it took a while. You dealt with the insurance companies almost three years, so... It's going to be hard days, and you just have to keep doing what you do. That's right. You got to make it through. That makes sense. All right, Rick. Looks like we've been on here a little bit over an hour. Uh, anything you want to give them closing out? Any advice for people that's trying to get in this game? People that feel like they're too old to do it? Oh, no, it's too much technology. It's too much riffraff. What do you say to these people that need to get on in this game and stop playing around? You need to you need to get rid of all the doubt. If you want to do it, do it. I mean, you're never too old to make money. You just got to keep doing it and uh, keep – if you don't try, I know I've got a video called, you know, The Fear of Failure and on my, on my Instagram. And, you know, my fear was my grandparents was poor, my parents was poor. I didn't want to be poor. So I'd rather grow to old know I tried and failed as never tried at all. And so you turn that fear into a motivator and let it motivate you. That's right. That's right. Make it motivate you because the procrastination is the killer of all dreams. All right, Rick, I want to say thank you for coming out and uh, sharing some of your 
wisdom and knowledge to the people because I know we always got these questions and stuff come up all the time. And like you said, they can follow you on Real Estate Old School on YouTube, Real Estate Old School on Instagram, Real Estate Old School on TikTok. R-E-R-E Old School on TikTok. R-E. Oh, they just wouldn't wouldn't let you put it all in the title. Oh, okay. I thought they stole your name like they be trying to jack mine sometime. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Rick. I appreciate you. Man, I thank you for having me on, and uh, I really enjoyed it. All right. Cool, cool. That'll work. So let's see here. So that's how we do it, you all. So make sure if you if this video provided you any type of value, you learned anything, even by accident, go ahead and give this video a thumbs up. If you're watching it on YouTube, subscribe. Bang that bell to be notified because we got some good shows coming up for you in the coming weeks. So uh, the one we just finished there, like I said, that was with Real Estate Old School Rick Jarman. There's his, uh, there's how you spell his name and everything. Real Estate Old School is where you'll find him on the uh, social media. Uh, like I said, we'll be on uh, in a couple of weeks here with uh, Byron Holman on March 2nd. Make sure you're ready for that. We're going to be talking about getting that paperwork right because if your paperwork is wrong, you're going to mess up bad in this game. Also, next Monday, Monday, February 10th, 7 o'clock Central, we're going to be talking to the Sprues, Mr. Terrell and Alex Sprue, the father and son team, killing the real estate game together. We're going to talk about some of the deals they've been doing and some of the things and trials and tribulations and things they've overcome in this business of real estate. And also, if you haven't already, text JV to 31996. That'll get you notified for when we go live. And it also will give you the free joint venture or JV agreement cost you no money. Just text JV to three, one nine, nine, six, use it with wholesalers, use it with real estate agents, use it with other investors. And if you're looking for contracts, cool gear or coaching, all of that can be found at woke real Let's see what we got here. Thanks everybody for coming in. Let's say here, did you have sales experience? Most definitely. You better have some sales experience. So I guess that was for Rick. He'll come back. And if you're watching the replay, post in the comments anyway. You can still put in the comments a question, and we'll try to get it answered if you just missed the live stream. But I want to say thanks to everybody that came out. So I'm about to get up out of here and do some more woke stuff. So do what you do. Be who you be, and I'll see you before you see me. If we have